1: Welcome to SportsMiles Premier League Preview Podcast, I'm Barney Corkle, i here with Pascal Lemaire to run through Matchday 8 and what a weekend of action it promises to be. New league leaders Manchester United are in action away to Arsenal on a Super Sunday that also sees Everton and Liverpool go head-to-head in the first Merseyside derby of the campaign. We start at Selhurst Park though where Crystal Palace host West Brom in Saturday's early kick-off. Pascalis, Tony Pulis' return to Selhurst Park. We'll start with the visitors. They go there off the back of a disappointing defeat to Everton last time out.
0: Yeah, usually, I mean, in recent years, games between West Brom and Everton, they're usually quite low scoring. And this one, sort of the first 40 minutes or so, it looked like it'd be that way. Berahino then puts West Brom ahead just before the break. Another goal for him. So he looks to be back in good form again. And 1 0 at half time, quite a tight game. Uh, Everton then defend the corner really, really poorly. Uh, Craig Dawson gets the header in 2 0. You know, Tony Pulis' team 2 nil up with um, sort of 40 odd minutes to go. You'd expect them to see the game out, but Everton almost straight from kickoff, hit back through Lukaku, great crossing from Delefeu, and then at 2-1 Everton are back in the game, all West Brom needed to do there really was probably just you know keep it tight for about 5-10 minutes, just frustrate Everton, and then the game was probably over by them, but allowing Everton to get back in it like that uh, gave, gave a spark to them, and then they came back, uh, Kone getting the second, and then Lukaku um, scoring the third for a, a pretty amazing comeback win, I think it's the first time since 94 that Everton have come back from two goals down in the Premier League, and uh, the first time pulis has ever lost once being tuned up so it shows how sort of unprecedented that result was and really crushing for West Brom
1: You mentioned how strange it is for a pulis say, to squander such a lead mm-hmm. there they are usually just built on just rock solid defences aren't they but this season has been a bit different in a few matches. They went for a good spell, I think it was four clean sheets in a row, but the last two games now they've conceded three goals in each of them, which is completely on Pulis like, especially at home where they usually they're usually so solid. They've been more solid away from home so far this season and obviously that's to do with the way Pulis sets his team up probably first and foremost, not to lose the match away from home, and that'll probably be the case again this, uh, this weekend. But he's yet to concede a away goal in the Premier League mm. this season, which a record they'll be confident of keeping up this week, especially considering how well they've been playing away from home. They've edged a couple of games, 1-0, 2-1, 0-0. But against Palace, they're, they're looking for a third straight Premier League victory, which they've never done in the Premier League mm. before, haven't done it in the top flight for a long, long time either. So they're, they're doing well away from home at the moment. They need to improve those um, home football performances though if they're going to they need to stop shipping goals at home as well if they're going to climb the table and challenge for a top half finish like I think they're capable of
0: yeah they probably are capable of you look where they are now though 15th and I think with the fixtures they've got coming up Palace here is a tough game but Palace usually aren't as good at home as they are away from home and then after this well after the international break you've got Sunderland Norwich and Leicester in their next three games they've got to be probably targeting I'd say two wins from those three and maybe get one here as well because in, in November and December you've got United Arsenal West Ham who are playing well Spurs and Liverpool really tough games and if they say have a bit of a slump here against teams they might perhaps should be beating then they might be in for a really tough time and you know, they might be in and around the relegation battle come Christmas if they don't have a good run because these fixtures coming up do look quite favourable.
1: Yeah, this isn't an easy one, though. Palace, they've, they've made a good start to the season, sitting in seventh in the table now, which is, is pretty good from, from Alan Pardew's point of view. Won again last time out. It wasn't it wasn't the greatest game against Watford, decided by that Johan Goodbye penalty in the second half. Again, there was positives for Palace, though. There's the likes of Balassi, Sacco, we seem to mention them every week. Mm-hmm. They're danger men. They played well. And then Zaha, was dropped to the bench somewhat surprisingly, but he hasn't been really at his best so far this season. But he came off the bench, made a difference, won the penalty as well. Pardew would have been happy to see that. One thing I'm I I'm not quite sure why it's happening with players like that, the, the players who thrive in open games, but... Palace have been kept to low-scoring games recently mm. in the Premier League, especially three one-nilers in a row, two of which they've lost. And I think that's really the key to playing against them, keeping things tight, not letting not letting things get open. And that's why perhaps their results have tailed off a little in recently. And West Brom will be trying to do the same here, I think, because they're, they're masters at keeping it tight, especially away from home. If they can do that against Palace, then Palace may have their work cut out to get something out of this game.
0: Yeah, 'cause they sort of had a mini slump, didn't they, losing those two games, one nil, when you thought they were doing so so well. And I think going to Watford, you know, that Watford under Flores have been really tough to beat this season. So I think eking out a one nil win there was a good result for them. It certainly puts them in good stead going into this game because West Brom. They'll, they'll still be feeling that defeat to Everton because that was a game that was won at two 0 and to the way they conceded three goals like that, that will give Palace hope that they can maybe sort of you know have a high-scoring game because, like you mentioned, there, there's been quite a few low scorers recently. But Palace, we talked about West Brom maybe having some easier fixtures coming up. You look at Palace's. I mean, West Brom here, they're always tough to play, West Brom. Then your next you've got West Ham, Leicester, Man City, Man United and Liverpool. All tough games, the one against City there in the League Cup. So really tough run of fixtures coming up for them. And I think a cup run would be great for a team like Palace. You know, they've got, you know, really good fans, great travelling support. And if they could go to, say, City and win in the League Cup, that would knock a big boy out and they have a real chance of, you know, maybe going far in the competition. So I think things are looking good for Palace. Seventh place, you know, it's from their start to the season is really good.
1: What's your score prediction for this weekend?
0: I think it will be another low scorer. I think West Brom Pulis, you know, especially conceding three goals in the last sort of thirty five, forty minutes like they did on Monday night, he's not gonna be happy with that. He usually puts things right quite quickly from a defensive uh, standpoint. So I think it's gonna be quite a low scorer. I'll go one or
1: Yeah, I agree. A lack of goals. Both teams have struggled for goals recently. West Brom away from home in particular, and as you say, Palace aren't really the same team at home, especially when they they can't counter-attack as much as they'd like to. So I'm going to go for a low score, I'm actually going to go for no goals, a nil-nil draw. So neither of us can separate these two teams. Tough to call the
0: opener then. Let's move on to the 3pm kickoffs, starting with Villa against Stoke. Barnes, two struggling sides. It will start with Villa. Last time out, losing 3-2 at Liverpool.
1: It was a really good game for the neutral, wasn't it? But... Again, another defeat for Villa. They need to start picking up points soon. There were positives to take from the match. I think the way they showed fighting spirit going behind in the very first minute, Um, against Liverpool is never going to be an easy task to come back from that but they stayed in the match Rudy Gostad got two good goals that second the header in particular you'd say Liverpool could have defended both a bit better but the header if they can keep putting balls of that quality into Gostad and have him in the box then he's always going to get goals because he's so dominant in the air and I think that's a tactic they need to employ a bit more often but as we say it is another defeat they've only picked up one point since the opening day of the season now from a possible 18 and that was a home to Sunderland to a bottom of the table so they need to improve a lot to they're going to stay in the division because they haven't been good enough so far. Sherwood knows that, he's been quite open about that and he says staying up is the the only objective now this season and the way they started the campaign with the win against newly promoted Bournemouth, never an easy start to the season playing a newly promoted side, he would have got a bit of optimism but since then it's just been disappointment after disappointment after disappointment, three losses in a row now in the Premier League and they need to find some points from somewhere quickly.
0: So their, their form has been bad but in terms of the news agenda it's kind of been taken away from their bad form this week with the news that um, Jack Grealish has chosen to play for England over Ireland and I think it's a bit odd the way that um, a lot of the stories have been written, He hasn't; he's not actually eligible for the latest set of games because of his um, international clearance wouldn't go through but the way some people are talking about it I think there's, it makes it sound like he's a shoe in for the squad which I think is just bizarre because he's still very young, I don't think he's... I wouldn't say he's a shoe in for the England squad at all, but everyone seems to be saying now that he's chosen England, you know he's going to be in this, It seems to be that he's going to be in the squad straight away, which I think think's an odd one because he's still very young. He's shown flashes here and there that he can be a very bright player. That goal against Leicester was a fantastic finish, but for me, he's certainly not ready to play international football yet. And I think it's an interesting decision he chose to play for England because Ireland represented them at several youth levels. And you know it seemed to be that was the country he'd chosen, but maybe now he realises that he might be good enough to maybe play for England. Obviously. A much more successful country and obviously do a lot better, get to a lot more tournaments than Ireland do. So an interesting decision, but I certainly don't think he's necessarily ready for a senior England call-up yet.
1: Yeah, he's perhaps not at the international level yet, is he? But there's no doubt in how important he is for Aston Villa when he's on form. And they're going to need him on form because they've got a tough run of fixtures coming up. They've got Chelsea, Swansea, Tottenham, Man City and Everton in the next five league games. And in between them, they've got Southampton in the League Cup as well. So it's a really tough run of fixtures coming up. This one is probably the most winnable of the lot of them and it's not an easy game either. So, considering they haven't got many points on the board, when they've had a few kind fixtures already, it's it's really tough to see them getting away from the relegation zone in the coming few weeks. At home, in particular, they've been poor. One point from nine. You'd say the losses to Manchester United and West Brom, they were quite narrow losses. Losing at home to West Brom one 0 Obviously, Midlands rivals. That's a big that's a big disappointment. But Manchester United again, they showed a bit of fight there. Due to all with Sunderland, again showed a bit of fight. Got two goals and they've been struggling to score a bit, but to draw at home to Sunderland to are bottom of the table, as we know, yet to win a game this season. Again, a disappointing result. So they need to improve in that respect. And the Swansea and Man City are the next two home league games after the international break. So that that's going to be very tough for them to get points out of them as well.
0: Yeah, and I think the thing with the bottom half of the table this season, it seems to be just quite even, I think. Like, there's a lot of teams from maybe sort of ninth down to 20th that you think, They could finish in any order with those positions. And I'd say, apart from maybe Sunderland so far and Newcastle, that everyone looks fairly even. And Stoke are one of those teams, and they actually got out of the bottom three last time out with that 2-1 win over Bournemouth. And it certainly wasn't the best display. You know, Bournemouth lost their star player, Callum Wilson, in the first half, which was obviously a big blow. And then Stoke had to wait until the 83rd minute, I think it was, for Juve's header. So a win's a win, and it's always good to do that. But I don't think it was the most convincing result. John Walt was on the score sheet again. He's been playing well recently. But, you know, I think... At this stage of the season, when when you had been struggling for wins, and a team like Stoke that were expected to be, you know, top half, you know, in the top half this season, for them to be in the bottom three after six games, it was disappointing. So just to get that first win off your back, I think that was the most important thing. Not necessarily the best performance, but i will be wanting to kick on from that now.
1: Yeah, they really needed a win, didn't they? Mark, you said after that just to finally get that as it can start kick on from... It was a disappointing start to the season. He admitted that it was obviously a disappointing start after they spent so much money in what was a really good transfer window, including the League Cup now. They've got two wins on the bounce, so perhaps things are starting to move in the right direction. But I think they need to improve their away form because we mentioned Aston Villa's home form earlier, but Stoke haven't won an away game in the Premier League since February now, since the last trip to Villa Park, actually, which is eight games, four points on those 24. If they are to fulfil their pre-season ambitions of... Pushing for the top half, perhaps even pushing for Europe, which after their transfer window, and with the squad they've got at their disposal, you'd suggest they might be able to do, they need to improve that away form at Villa Park, as we know, I've already mentioned their home form, that it's going to be a good place to try and get three points, and if they can, if they can win another game now, make it three in a row in all competitions, then perhaps they can start to get a bit of momentum, and their st- key players, the likes of Arnautovic, Uh, Shakiri, do you get a bit more confidence and they'll start moving up the table, I've got no doubt about that, but I think they they could really do with a win here today
0: Yeah, and this game, 18th against 17th pretty tough game to call, what's your prediction?
1: Well, I I think I'm going to go for a stoke win I think that victory last time out was this is an important one to get that weight off their back. I think Villa just, they, they don't seem to be able to buy a win at the moment. They'll probably be fairly content with the draw, the way things are going at the moment, even though they'll obviously be going for the win. But I think I'm going to go for Stoke to edge this one, 2-1. Two, 2-1. One. Two,
0: one. I'm actually going to go the other way. I think it's such a tough game to call, cool, and I think Villa, you know, losing 3-2 at Anfield, not the worst result. Those two goals for Stead that'll give him confidence, and I think they might edge this one nil. So we've got one Stoke win and a Villa win.
1: So we're split there, moving on to a match between two newly promoted sides as Bournemouth host Watford. Start with the home side, Pascal, defeat to Stoke last time out, but it was overshadowed by another devastating injury to a key player.
0: Yeah, Callum Wilson, their top scorer, he's out for a minimum of six months with the ACL, ruptured ACL, and I think I saw the average for players who do their ACLs, it's usually a bit longer than that, and that'll probably rule him out for the rest of the season, which is just such a crushing blow. You know, They spent uh, their two biggest money signings in the summer, Tyro Mings, Max Gradle, suffered similar injuries, Mings is out for about 12 months, Gradle has got a similar injury to Wilson, so he could be out for most of the season, so... You know, that's. I think Mings was sort of bought more as a future investment, but Grade and Wilson, they were, they would have been to, bought, bought two of Bournemouth's key players, and they've lost them both now for almost all of the season, probably. So it's just such a cruel blow. Because Wilson, especially, he'd been their star player. I think he was five goals in six games before the Stoke match, which was the joint top scorer with Um, uh, Mahrez, So he he'd been doing so so well, and some of his finishes, you know, the overhead kick that. The the one he, when he rolled the Sunderland defender and shot that in brilliant brilliant goals he'd been scoring so it's a massive massive blow for them now and you have to say the way they've been going they're sitting 16th now that without Wilson that you think they might really struggle because with his goals they look like they could maybe you know do t- um, score against any team but without him now it's just such such a blow
1: yeah and obviously the result just compounded that misery. defeat to Stoke. It's not the worst result they're going to have this season, probably. Again, they they made a game of it, and they they look capable of mixing it with other teams. But as you say, without the goals of Wilson, it's hard to see them really getting any better than the 16th position they're in at the moment. They've had a pretty kind run of things in terms of fixtures at the moment, particularly at home. Villa and Leicester and Sunderland were the first three home fixtures, and obviously Leicester have done well so far this season. But the other two you'd expect... Probably those were the two of the ones they would have seen before the game and thought before the season, i and thought six maximum points from there, but they've only got four points from possible nine in that time. This one's another came on this weekend against Watford they would perhaps be hoping, expecting another three points here, but they need to improve in those these games with the teams in and around them in the table because fixtures are going to get tougher from now on, here on
0: yeah they certainly are just looking at their run of form coming up they've got city spurs then liverpool in the league cup then back to the league southampton swansea everton chelsea and manchester united it's just going to get so much more difficult for them and we talked about the injuries and the thing is they're missing two of their key players from last season sort of uh, harry arta in midfield he was their star central midfielder he hasn't played once this season because of injury and Tommy Elphick, who did start the season at centre back, he's now out injured, and thing is they've only got one clean sheet in seven Premier League games this season. So they are struggling to keep teams out, and Elphick was sort of their real leader at the back. So without him there. Arthur was a really good box-to-box midfielder. They're missing him, and obviously Wilson spearheading the, the attack. That's kind of the backbone of their team there. From basically their backbone from last season, all out injured at the moment. So such a blow. I know they bought players in around them, but when you've got you know they're so used to playing under Eddie Howe, those three players, and they were the real yeah like I said backbone to that team. So without them there, it's gonna. I think Bournemouth could really struggle in the sort of the next month or two.
1: It was obviously Bournemouth who led the way for most of the championship season, won the title in the end, but Watford and you'd have to say Norwich as well, they probably adapted to the Premier League a bit better than Bournemouth have Past experience might help with that. I think mm. also the playing style of them helps with that. Bournemouth, obviously an open team, they like to attack. Watford a bit tighter at the back. They, I think, in their seven league games so far, there's only been 11 goals in total, which is a league low. They keep things tight. It's the same again against Crystal Palace. Just got edged out on that occasion, one nil last time out. Johan Cabaye second half penalty, but again they look they look decent in that match. They look solid enough to to give a lot of teams a, a game in this division. Palace, as we know, they've had a really good start to the season, so a one nil. Defeat to them is not the worst thing in the world. Back-to-back Premier League wins before that as well, so things are moving in the right direction for them. They're sitting 13th in the table now, which is a decent return for uh, after seven games of the season for them. And they'll be they'll be quietly confident of putting up a fight to stay in this d- division.
0: Yeah, you talked about the sort of playing style of Bournemouth there. That's something that Kiko Sanchez Flores has come in and completely changed with Watford. You know, last season in the Championship. I know Deeney's been off the boil a bit in the Premier League this season, but Igarlo, they did have Vidra as well, and uh, players like Alman Abdi, Daniel Toza scoring from midfield. They had they had goals all over the park, and just the lack of goals, both you know, obviously they have shut up shop at the back as well, but the lack of goals going forward is a concern for them. I know Dini, he, he's actually played quite well in a lot of games, but he's just quite not quite yet to get off the mark and away from home. They've been. okay in the league this season they've won just four of their um, sorry one of their four away games but if you look back to last season they're playing in the league away from home they've only actually lost one of their last 12 away from home so they have been you know last season they were pretty good especially at the end of the season they finished the season so strong away from home they haven't quite been able to carry that forward this season but we talked about Bournemouth struggles here and I think this is a game Watford will definitely target as a winnable game
1: So two sides who came up do you see Watford winning it?
0: Uh, I think I do actually, I think that that injury to Wilson could really, really hurt Bournemouth like I've already said and I think Watford, you know, you talked about they, they did pretty well against Palace there just losing out to that uh, penalty so I think Watford here, they'll probably frustrate Bournemouth, I think they might just nick it 2-1. It's
1: a tough one to call isn't it but I think i can go for honours even here, obviously as you say, the Wilson injury, huge blow for Bournemouth but they're saying Glenn Murray, he's got some experience in this division, he might be able to, to give them a few goals that they might be missing from that Wilson injury. Watford, tight at the back, but if this game was being played last season, you'd probably back a Bournemouth victory, so I don't see too much difference between the two teams this season, to be honest. So I think I'm going to go for a one-all draw. So we've got one draw and a Watford victory.
0: So again, we can't pick a consensus winner there. To the Etihad, we're at second from top against second from bottom. Man City against Newcastle. Barnes were recording this before their Champions League game against Labback, but in terms of the Premier League, it's two defeats in a row now.
1: Yeah, it just goes to show how quickly things can change in the Premier League, doesn't it? A couple of weeks ago, after the first five games of the season, we're proclaiming Man City champions already, speculating how far they're going to win the title by and saying they might do a Chelsea from last season lead from start to finish, but find themselves second in the table now after two disappointing results. You know, the defeat to Juventus in the Champions League, Sparta, the defeat to West Ham United that weekend, and then last weekend, they lost to Tottenham, which probably hurt the most of the lot, because it was a Mm 4-1 defeat against a team they usually have a very good record against, they usually score a lot of goals goals against tottenham tottenham are improving but to lose 4-1 to them really disappointing and some of the goals they conceded as well dis- like the defensively they sh- they should have done better you have to say that the offside flag should have gone up a few times in that match when it didn't the the assistant had a pretty poor game and but you can't really blame that defeat on that tottenham deserved the victory perhaps not as comfortably as they got it but City were just far short, far far short of their best. It was they were missing a lot of key players. It has to be said, um, the spine of the team pretty much was missing. Aguero again misfiring a bit. They had a couple of sights a goal, but nowhere near the the player who's terrorised Tottenham in recent seasons. But things just don't seem to be going right for Man City at the moment. When at the start of the season everything was going right for them and they couldn't do anything wrong. They won every game, didn't concede a goal, but it's just not happening for them at the moment. Yeah,
0: in between those two league defeats, they had that game against Sunderland in the League Cup where they were quite a convincing, four one. Winners there, and you know I just question whether Pellegrini. He played a really strong team in that Sunderland game. He had Aguero, uh, De Bruyne, and Sterling all playing in that one, and you just wonder, you know, against a team like Sunderland, who at the moment look like the worst team in the league, you wonder if he needed to start all of those star players in midweek in the League Cup because, you know, he had the lunchtime kickoff on Saturday, you know not not that many days rest and you wonder if maybe those players were just a bit tired you know like you mentioned there Aguero especially has been misfiring and yes, yeah, so that's two Premier League defeats in a row and they've not lost three in a row in the competition since 2008 so it stretches back a long way it just shows you know that this this is a real chance for Newcastle to you know sort of make a bit of history like you know to end that run there and look at home as well usually City you associate them with being so strong at the Etihad but lost the last two at home and that's the first time since January 2012 they've lost back-to-back games in the league at home so that's where they really need to improve and you say that you know. The West Ham one, especially, that was a game where they really would have fancied winning. And you know, the Juve one as well, poor defeats there in both of them. Where in both games, for parts of the game, they just did look like the better team, but couldn't quite make you know, score the goals. So, disappointing run of form at the moment, and down to second behind you know, Manchester United, which makes it even worse to see your city rivals above you. So, tough time for the club at the moment, they really need to bounce back soon.
1: Yeah, just going back to that Sunderland selection, I think. He chose such a strong team because they had lost back-to-back games before that. And the performance, it was a very good performance. They ran out very convincing winners, and you thought maybe that might be a catalyst for them to start the season again after two two defeats in Champions League and the Premier League. But didn't turn out to be that way. As I mentioned, this, the, the spine of the team really was missing Hart, missed the Tottenham game, and Caballero didn't have the greatest game. He, he made a couple of good saves, but you'd say he was definitely at fault for the Eideval World header. Shouldn't He got nowhere near that when he came out to get that. Company's been absent recently, which has been a big blow for them because he started the season back to his best sort of form. I think he's a doubt for this weekend. I think he's not going to play in the Champions League, by the sounds of things, but if they, don't, if they don't get him back this weekend, they'll be back before, uh, after the international break. Be a big plus for them. Silva should be back this weekend, which is another big plus. And that that Spain, as I mentioned, should be back in full force at least by the by after the international break, and they need that because Torre he played in the League Cup as well. Can is he fit enough to play every three days? Probably not. They're going to need him for the Champions League, that's for sure, because he's one of their key players. But he he's he's the type of player who's he's really involved in some games, not involved in others. He can't really play him midweek and the weekend every single week so I think if anyone was going to be rested in that Sunderland game it probably should have been him but but he played he came up I think he came off injured against Tottenham as well so there was a doubt over him but he should be all right as well and Aguero should be so they've got some key players coming back in the next few weeks most of them should be back for this weekend so they should be back to full strength and I can see them returning to form I think
0: yeah, I mean, at the start of the season, when they were keeping all those clean sheets, it was Company and Mangler at centre back, wasn't it? And them two have both doubts for this weekend. And they've conceded more goals in the last two Premier League games than their previous 11 before that. So it just shows that might be where the problem is because they were playing so well together, Company and Mangler at the start of the season. And that might give Newcastle hope if, say, potentially neither of them playing this one because Newcastle, they scored two against Chelsea last week, took a 2 0 lead against the Champions, and couldn't quite hold out, could they? You know, Perez with that great goal to open the scoring, you know, took it down, blasted it in, and then uh, Alden with a good header as well. And at 2 nil there, I think it was. Uh, 75 minutes gone and it was still two nil and you thought maybe Newcastle are going to get their first win here but they couldn't quite hold out. Ramirez pulled one back and then William's free kick that you know it was one of those ones into a great area and Ramirez missed it and then it just went into the net. So a bit unfortunate from Newcastle's point of view but you know they should have probably been able to see that out against any team when you're two nil up you should you should if you're a good quality Premier League team you should be able to see out a two nil uh, lead when you've only got 15 minutes to go but they couldn't quite do it and they're still down there in 19th.
1: There were more positives from that was uh, that uh, performance. There wasn't that. Obviously, to blow the two-goal lead is a big is a big disappointment. But to have taken a two-goal lead in the first place against Chelsea, all well, right. Chelsea aren't doing too well at the moment themselves, but. It was certainly probably the high point of Newcastle season so far because it has been a poor campaign so far. It's even stretching back to last season, it's been a really poor run of form for Newcastle. They've only won one of the last 18 Premier League games, which is a dreadful record. They've only won three of 26 in 2015. Think back to the John Carver reign at the end of last season. It's just a dreadful record, and they're never going to get away from the relegation zone if they don't significantly improve that. The one thing I would say is in their benefit this this weekend in particular is they've generally... Rose they um risen they risen up to the big task ahead of them with the big the big teams. They've they've taken points off Manchester United and Chelsea already this season, got draws against both of them, gave Arsenal a good game even though they were down to ten men for the vast majority of that match. Defensively when they're under siege they've got a they've got a good mentality about them. The likes of Colicini, Tim Cruel they'll just defend that box and defend their goal for their lives. It's in other games where they struggle to pick up points. So that might give them a, a bit of hope going into this match but it's still a tough tough task for them.
0: certainly is. They haven't actually beaten City in 17 Premier League games. That's a really long run since they last tasted victory against them. What's your score prediction?
1: Yeah, I can't see them getting a win this time out either. I think this is the perfect match if City could have chosen a game to return to form in, I think this probably would have been it. either this one or Sunderland at home. The way those two northeast teams are playing, I think you can go for a pretty comfortable 3-0 Man City win.
0: Yeah, I see City winning as well. It's hard not to pick them, isn't it? I know they've lost two in a row in the league, but you'd expect them to be back to form soon. I'm going to go for a 2-0 home win, so both picking City to win this one fairly comfortably.
1: Okay, moving on to Carrow Road, where Norwich City host Leicester City. Start of the visitors, Pascal, fell to their first defeat of the season last time out, but they went down fighting.
0: Yeah, they did at home to Arsenal. and. It was quite surprising to see Leicester as the only remaining unbeaten team going into that game. And Arsenal, the way they've been playing, a bit iffy here and there. I think a lot of people thought Leicester had a real chance in that game and they took the lead through Jamie Vardy, another fantastic finish from him. He's been in such good form, Vardy, hasn't he? And 1-0 there, you thought maybe they could push on from that, but Walcott hit back almost straight away and then from then... Sanchez gets his hat trick because Sanchez he hadn't hadn't scored yet this season, but he'd been really threatening a goal in quite a few games, and finally seemed to click for him, and he got his three goals to put uh, Arsenal 4-1 ahead. But you know, Leicester they didn't lay down. Then Vardy got another goal 4-2, and but when Vardy scored, you think surely it's not going to be another Leicester comeback, but um, they couldn't do it. And you know, then Giroud makes it 5-2, and it's quite a convincing scoreline in the end. But certainly Leicester, you know, parts of that game they certainly matched Arsenal, but they couldn't quite keep them out. And, been a bit leaky in defence, but as for Vardy, you know, he's got four, four goals in four games in a row, and that's the first time he's ever done that in his career, so he's in fantastic form, because mare has gone a little bit off the boil in the last two, because he was their star, you know, for the first few weeks of the season, but Vardy's kept going, and he looks like a brilliant player at the moment. Those two finishes both really pinpoint into the far corner, so he's playing so, so well at the moment.
1: They've certainly got goals in their team, haven't they? Leicester fans can't complain about a lack of action at the moment at the start of the season. Whether they'll be, obviously they'll be happy with the start to the season, but whether they'll be a a little bit concerned about the way things are going at the other end of the field, perhaps, because you, you see, look at Bournemouth at the moment, they're struggling out of the three, most out of the three newly promoted sides because of their style of play more open to stay in the division generally for the smaller teams you need to be a bit tighter at the back than Leicester have but they've got the goals there's they've been 29 goals in their seven games so far this season absolute golf has no team scored more than them in the league and only bottom of the table Sunderland have conceded more as well though so at one end of the field they're pretty much unstoppable at the moment they're scoring in every game they're scoring quite a few goals in most games even against the big boys but at the other end of the field they need to tighten up a bit Ranieri he's got a very entertaining side on his hands but I think At times this season they're going to need to be a little bit more savvy obviously it's it's hard when the fans are shouting they're such a momentum based team and when they get going like that it's very hard to stop them with the likes of Mahers the likes of Albright and with the likes of Vardy they're very energetic players they get at the opposition and that's when they're at the best but there probably will be times when they're going to need to shut up shop they could have probably limited Arsenal to less than five goals in the end last last time out if they had just damage limitation a bit mode fans don't want to see that but it's probably a bit w- going to be wise a few times in the season I think
0: yeah well they haven't actually kept a clean sheet this season Leicester neither of Norwich who they play here so just two leaky defences I think with Leicester you know even though they're not keeping clean sheets they have been pretty good on the road they're unbeaten in the last seven Premier League away games so that shows good form but I think the thing for Leicester, you know, we've noticed in the last couple of weeks, that maybe Mara has just gone a little bit off the boil, whereas sort of Vardy's taken up that slack and he's been the start. I mean, if he then goes a bit cold in the next couple of weeks, will they sort of will those goals dry up? And that's when they need, you know, their defence to start keeping clean sheets. Because say if they're two star players going forward, you know, they go through a bit of a drought, then that's when you're going to need to, you know, maybe draw the old game nil-nil and nick a game one-nil. That's just something they don't really look like doing at the moment. So that's where they've got to improve and. But, you know, that, like you said, they have been scoring loads of goals recently and, like I said, Norwich that clean sheets, another chance to get a win here.
1: Yeah, but Norwich, they'll be coming into the match in pretty confident mood as well. They're the highest placed of the newly promoted side so far. Made a good start to life back in the Premier League. Two of West Ham two-all last time out and were very close to getting a the victory. they only denied by 93rd-minute equaliser and that came from a ruddy mistake. You'd probably say he should have done better with his punch-out. Mm-hmm. A little bit unfortunate that fell straight to the West Ham player to tuck away. Coyarte tucked it away in the end to get a point for West Ham, but all in all it's been a good start to the season for, for Norwich I think the only two defeats they've had this season they've been a little unlucky in both of them the palace game could have gone different on the opening day of the season and they lost to southampton so it came about largely due to a red card they were probably southampton were probably on top before the red card but they wouldn't have run out as comfortable 3-0 winners as they did had Norwich not had a man sent off so they've only lost once since the opening day things are looking positive for them right now and after this start to the season they'll be pretty confident of putting up a good fight to stay in the division
0: it certainly will be and I think with that West Ham game you know West Ham came into that match having beaten City at the Etihad Mm -hmm. and everyone was talking about how dangerous West Ham were I know their results haven't been quite as good at home you know their away wins Liverpool Arsenal Man City incredible but I think most people there thought West Ham you know starting to maybe turn a corner and would be able to you know put in a really impressive performance at home but Norwich like you say almost got the three points until the 93rd minute and you know Nathan Redmond didn't start that game, but he's been one of their best players early on this season. He came on and a really, really good finish from him, cutting in like he like he likes to do onto his right foot, picked out the far corner, and he's played well. And Hulahan's been a really impressive player. I talked last week about how I sort of likened him a bit to Wan Mata. How in some games it really suits him, and some games it doesn't. But he's got five assists this season. That's more than anyone else. So he's been a really key player for them. Cameron Jerome's not scoring many goals up front, but he's, he's just a presence up there, isn't he? And with his, you know, he'll, he'll attract defenders, and that allows the likes of Houlihan, Redmond, you know, creative players like that. Brady's another one as well. who has been playing well, and he scored uh, against West Ham. So I think they have got the makings of a really good side there. And you have to say what Alex Neil was doing with a side that, you know, were sort of twelfth in the Championship in sort of January when he came in, and he took them into the playoffs, won the playoffs. You know, he has done a fantastic job there. And like you say, the highest placed of all the three promoted teams, so they're, they're doing really well.
1: So two teams will be pretty pleased with the start to the season. Which way do you see this one going?
0: Uh, I think it could be goals again. You know, we've said that neither of these sides has kept a clean sheet yet, so I think you've got to pick goals here, and I'm going to go for a two-two draw.
1: Yeah, I agree. There'll be goals, two or draw. I was thinking of going for that, but I can just see Leicester nicking it again. I can see them, the, the likes of Mahers and Vardy hurting this Norwich defence. I think I'm going to go for a three-two Leicester victory. So going for a narrow Leicester victory and a draw.
0: it could be a feast of attacking football at Carrow Road. Will it be the same at the Stadium of Light where Sunderland are up against West Ham? Arnold will start with the home side still bottom of the table and still without
1: a win. It's been a terrible start to the season for them, hasn't it? 3 0 losers at Manchester United last time out. To be fair, in the first half they matched United for long spells. United were a bit lacklustre. Sunderland didn't play particularly well, but they they held United. It was that goal just before half time from Memphis to pilot, that really killed them. It completely changed the team talks. United came out a completely different team in the second half, and Rooney obviously got that goal in the opening stages of the second half to put the game to bed, really, because Sunderland, they're not going to come back from 2 0 down against Manchester United in this sort of form. In the end, Matter got that late goal to make it 3 0. Another convincing defeat for them. Four defeats in a row now in all competitions, and it's hard to see a way out for them at the moment because defensively they're leaking goals left right and center They aren't really scoring enough at the other end anyway certainly not to counteract their defensive record they've got at the moment so it's all doom and gloom for Sunderland at the moment it's hard to see a way out for them because it's just been a terrible start to the season
0: Yeah, you mentioned there, you know, not being able to keep teams out. You look at someone say like Leicester, who are shipping quite a lot of goals as well, but they're scoring a lot as well, and that's something Sunderland aren't doing. They just scored six, conceded 16, which is an average of over two goals a game from Sunderland. It's just simply not good enough, and they certainly have to improve if they're going to have any chance of, you know, getting away from the bottom of the table. Because at the moment, you'd say they do look far and away maybe the weakest team in the league. I'd say maybe Bournemouth, you could argue, are down there now, especially after Wilson's injury and. You know, Newcastle in an encouraging point against Chelsea last time and talking to Newcastle, you know, North East rivals, 19th and 20th in the table and they meet after the international break. Uh, Sunder then play West Brom away in their next game after this. Then it's Newcastle at home. That's going to be such a big game because even if, say, the two of them, say, get the odd win here and there, they'll still be in and around the bottom three come that game. That's going to be such a massive occasion because and the problem is in recent years, that game has been a kind of a big relegation clash, Mm -hmm. hasn't it? You remember last time Defoe scored that wonderful volley in the game at uh, the Stadium of Light and that is just going to be such, such a big game for them because at the moment Sunderland look like they do, they might need a derby victory or something like that to really get themselves going because at the moment they just simply don't look good enough
1: you mentioned the photo I think it's going to be pretty interesting to see what Dick Avocat does with him at the moment because he admitted that he needs a change of formation to change, to change his fortunes around for the team he's saying they can't play with a single striker up front at the moment at home in particular, they probably start playing with two strikers up front. I think Defoe against Tottenham quite recently he had a really good game. He didn't get himself on the score sheet. They lost that match one-nil, but he was he was give, his movement was giving Tottenham defenders a lot of problems. And his, there's no doubt he's a lot better through the middle than he is out on the left. If he has his partner up front with him as well, it should give them more of a threat in the final third. And that I think that could be really important for getting those goals that they're going to need to if they if they keep on conceding goals, they haven't kept a clean sheet yet and they need goals at the other end obviously to counteract that and two up front could be the way to go for that. advocates also said that the new signings haven't made much of a difference I'm not sure that was a slight on, on the players themselves mm. or just a case of the fact that they spent a lot of money and results haven't really improved. I think the new signings have been among their better players Teuvenen's made a decent start Lend has made a decent start and Via's had his moments as well. I think they've all they've all played okay. Defensively is where the big problems lie. I think a change of formation, be interested to see how it works, I I think it could be the right way to go. They certainly need to change something.
0: They do, and West Ham at home here is probably one of the hardest games you could have at the moment. West Ham, you know, they've been doing so well away from home, and but last time out they played Norwich. They were on a three-game winning streak in the Premier League, and they, you know, 2-2 draw at home to Norwich is a disappointing result for them. They would have gone into that game thinking, you know, we ha- our home results haven't been as good this season, but Norwich at home it's a very winnable game. They couldn't do that 2 all draw, and you know they had to rely on a really late goal from Kuyate, and it was a really scrappy goal. It could have, Norwich could have done a lot more to save that goal. And West Ham, to be honest, they could have easily lost that game, so it was disappointing for them. And maybe perhaps they were a bit tired. They played Leicester in the Capital One Cup in midweek and got taken to extra time, so perhaps they were a bit tired there. But yeah, A disappointing result, but they are still sitting third, West Ham, and overall, considering the fixtures they've had, it's been a fantastic
1: start. has been a brilliant start, and particularly away from home. I'm actually very interested to see how they do against a team they're expected to beat away from home, because so far, nine points from a possible nine against Arsenal, Liverpool, Manchester City, not even the most ardent West Ham fan would have seen that come, and they wouldn't have predicted it. It's been a magnificent start to the season, and Similar, we've said it before, similar in the way to Palace, probably better uh, set away from home. Some of their home results have been really disappointing, but on the road, they've been fantastic so far. And they've got a tough run of fixtures coming up. Palace, Chelsea, Everton, Tottenham in four of their next five games. But against the big teams, they seem to raise their game. Again, we come back to the home form, it hasn't really been good enough so far. Away form, they're not probably going to be able to get as many chances to counter-attack, get in the holes with Payet, who fancies chances, at Payet in particular because he's had a fantastic start to the season, fantastic start to his West Ham career, he'll fancy his chances against this leaky Sunderland defence, but it'll be interesting to see if they play any different to how they have against the big teams because they've had so much success in those games so far.
0: They have done, yeah, if you look at the attacking stats, they've got 15 goals in seven games West Ham, only Leicester can match that and Sunderland, like we've said, they've conceded more than anyone else with 16, so you've got the best attack against the worst defence, do you see it just
1: being a West Ham win? I do, I think, I think. I don't see it being a blowout. I think Sunderland will make a game of it. The, the results, though, you can't, you can't really back against them. The form book goes with West Ham. I'm going to go with West Ham as well. I think 2-0 winners.
0: Two nil. I think it'll be a bit closer than that. I'm going to pick West Ham as well. I'm going to go 2-1. So both picking West Ham to win this one.
1: Moving on to Saturday's evening kick-off, where an out-of-form Chelsea take on Southampton. Start Chelsea's most recent league game. Pascal, two more drop points against Newcastle.
0: Yeah, really disappointing against Newcastle in the bottom three. No win all season. They couldn't go, couldn't go and win at St James's Park. Jose Mourinho still never won at St James's Park actually. And you know, it's the manner of the game, wasn't it? Falling two 0 behind. I know it's probably a good thing to come back and get a two draw once you've fallen two 0 behind. But you shouldn't be falling two nil, two nil behind against a team like Newcastle who have been struggling a really poor all season. You know, especially at home. You know, they lost to Watford recently at home. So it's a game that Chelsea really should have won, and they needed late goals from uh, Ramirez and Will and you know two players who aren't even usually on the score sheet that often so yeah really really disappointing result there You know, it's a, it was a missed chance as well to um, close the gap on Man City I know City aren't top anymore it's now United who they're eight points behind so they're seven behind City but you know if, if they close the gap to five to City who are you know, I know United are top at the moment, but many people still consider it's probably going to be Chelsea or City. You know, come the end of the season, it was a missed chance there to close the gap, and yeah, you know, more goals conceded as well. It's just really, really poor in the league, and it didn't improve in midweek either.
1: No, it didn't. Two-two on losers against Porto. I mean, that was always going to be a really tough match. Porto's record at home is incredible—18 wins in a row now, and their clean sheet record as well. So even to score against them. Um, in the Estadio dojogawa is, is a decent feat but still it's another defeat and the way they performed as well will be concerning for Mourinho because defensively they just they just made too many mistakes in midfield, they gave the ball away, they were they were bossed in midfield to be honest mm-hmm. with you, they were outplayed in there, they were... Uh, Porto midfielders look much stronger, they look quicker, they look more skillful than the Chelsea midfielders. When, when you consider some of the midfielders Chelsea have got, is incredible. Hazard was left on the bench that for that game as well. So, so Ch- Mourinho, he said before that no one was undroppable, no one was untouchable in the team because lev- consistency levels weren't there. and It was a clear message to Hazard and the rest of the team mm. that he can drop anyone because Hazard, won, obviously, won player of the year last season for the... His, Performances in the Premier League just hasn't been at that level so far this season. But no, none of none of the Chelsea players have Ivanovic especially mm. against Porto. He had a dreadful game. Brahimi just had him on toast all game. Just skinned him left, right, and centre every single time he seemed to come up against mm. him. And those key players just. I think Costa, he had a good first half. Obviously, he's not available for this weekend because he's still serving his suspension, but he had a decent first half, but just faded in the second, hit the crossbar. But Chelsea didn't get enough players up in support of him. Mourinho looked like he was happy to come away with a draw, and he paid the price for that in the end. Porto deservedly won. They were the better team on the night. Chelsea did have their chances. I said they hit the woodwork, but so did Porto. Could have had a penalt- uh, penalty later on when Costa flicked it inside and it hit the hand of Marcano. Probably should have had a penalty. So... They could make a claim for deserving a, a draw against Porto, which would have been a good result considering Porto's home record, but in the end, deservedly beaten and another disappointing result for them, it's, it's been a terrible start for the season.
0: Yeah, and two goals conceded there, and in the league they're averaging two goals conceding as well, and only Sundon have got a worse defence than them. And. You mentioned Ivanovic there. I saw you gave him a three out of ten in your player ratings. You know he's just been it's incredible. How different a player he is to last season. And you know Newcastle's first goal at the weekend is probably more Zuma's fault. But Ivanovic was sort of coming across as well. And the way Perez took it down and was able to finish like that, he should never have had that much time. And you know they got the second goal they conceded against Newcastle was from a set piece. You know the way they're conceding goals is just simply not good enough. And. So that's two games without a win now but they they had won three in a row before that but the, the games they had won it wasn't exactly much to shout about was it you know Maccabi Tel Aviv in the Champions League who you know aren't a great side and they beat Arsenal who were down to nine men and then the other victory was against Walsall who are in League One in the League Cup so it's not like they were exactly, you know, setting the world alight in their previous games and then to you know to draw at Newcastle and then lose to Porto, two very, very disappointing results and you know a game against Southampton's here's gonna be a really tough one.
1: Yeah, Southampton they'll be full of confidence after winning against Swansea last time out. Swansea we know they've had a good start to the season not as good on the road generally, so Southampton probably would have gone into that match as favourites, but 3-1 victory, really good result for them, there are a lot of positives to come out for it, Van Dyke getting his first goal for the club, I think he might be able to get a few more this season, because he's a real threat in the air, and that, that run, it just seems so simple for him to run to the front post and just glance at home, I can see him doing a few, few more then this season, and Tadic is, he's playing really well at the moment, the, mm. the, the front three of Tadic, Mane and Pelé, they went off the boil a bit towards in, in the middle part of last season, but they started the season really well. And think they were very dangerous when they were on form. Tadic and Mane both got on the score sheet in that, in that match against Swansea. So, and and Pele's found the net a few times already this season so if they're on form they'll be confident of giving anyone a game and certainly this weekend they'll fancy the chance against such a leaky Chelsea defence
0: Yeah, Mane, he's actually got I think he got two assists in that game he's got more assists than he, than he had in the whole of last season Pele are uh, getting an assist in that game as well so they're, they're, all three of those players are contributing both goals and assists they're all playing really well and I mean, this game here against Chelsea. I know Chelsea aren't in great form, but it, it is a difficult game for Southampton. But you look, then, then there's the international break, and then after the international break, they've got three of the next four games at home against Leicester, uh, Villa, and Bournemouth. And Southampton do tend to be better at home, so it's a real chance for them here. They're sitting tenth at the moment. I'd say it's a real chance for them, to sort. Of you know pushed towards the top half and back towards that sort of top seven where they were last season and Geordie Classy could play in this one he's still yet to play in the Premier League since joining in the summer because he looked you know he looked quite good in the Europa League games that he played but he, he's a doubt for this one but I think he's rated about 75% so he could play in this one as well so if they get him back like you say the front three playing really well at the moment it kind of looks like Southampton after a fairly sluggish start it looks like they're going to be pushing towards the top seven again
1: see them getting anything out of this game
0: Um, it's a really difficult one to call actually Chelsea I'm sure they'll be looking for a response after that defeat to Porto and I think probably they'll just edge it it could be I think it could be quite a tight game but I think they'll just edge it 2-1
1: it's a tough one to call isn't it I don't think I've got a Chelsea one anywhere near right so far this season I've backed them to win every match against the Arsenal apart from the Arsenal game and then they go and lose that one I can see this one being a draw Chelsea just they They've got the players, but they're just not playing well enough. Hazard didn't really have the response required when he came on as a sub against Porto. I'd expect him to start. I'd probably expect John Terry to come back into the team because Zuma, as you say, was at fault against Newcastle for one of the goals. Didn't have the best game against Porto ever, so I'd expect Terry to come in. That might shore them up defensively, but I can see Southampton getting something out of this game. I think they can go for a one-all draw. So going for a narrow Chelsea victory and a draw. Right, on to Sunday's
0: tasty trio of games, starting with the Merseyside derby, Everton against Liverpool. Barnes will start with the visitors. They ended their 4 match wait for a league win with victory over Aston Villa.
1: Yeah, good to get back to winning ways for them. There four league games without a victory, I think it was, before then some disappointing results in that period. You'd say 3-2 at home to a team like Aston Villa who struggled so much at the start of the season. It's not the best result on paper. Obviously, three points is, is the, main, the main thing, but to be held that close to concede two goals against Aston Villa is a disappointing thing and defensively they could have done better for both goals. Second goal, Rudy Kestet, it was just a really good header for him, but you know, they they'd probably want to defend their area better than that first goal. They certainly could have defended better. So there were it wasn't by no means perfect in that match, but getting back to winning ways against a team who have been a bit of a bogey team for them at Anfield recently, it's a good result for them and obviously the big positive getting Sturridge back, back to scoring form, his first goal was spectacular, could have had a hat-trick in the end but for a really good save from Brad Guzan as well, so getting him back was a, is a really big positive, getting the three points is another positive and hopefully this is a building block for that they can start to kickstart their season from because it's been disappointing run of results up until that point.
0: It's a really good finish from Milner as well for the first mm. one. That's his first league goal for the club as well. So, good for him. And, you know, you look at the table now, they're back into the top half, Liverpool, and only five points off the top when you look at the table. So, st- things are still very close up there. I know United have gone clear now, but with City losing their last two, you know, the, the lead tables are much more bunched up in that top half now, and certainly, they, I think they really really need a good run of form in but the fixtures, they don't get much easier than uh, the, the run coming up, Everton away here, Everton have looked pretty good recently, then you've got Spurs, Southampton, Chelsea, Palace and Man City in the next five after the international break, so things do get really tough for them, and they'll hope that, potentially after the international break, that Benteke might be back, and then he'll have the option of Benteke and Sturridge, and maybe Firmino, I'm not sure how much longer he's out for, but... You know, this there certainly seems to they're going to have more options going forward. And if people like Milner can chip in with goals, because, you know, Henderson's going to be out for another couple of months or so. So they need goals from midfield as well, because unless Sturridge can really sort of discover his best form from about you know two seasons ago they they might be struggling for goals a little bit
1: yeah it's a key couple of weeks for Brendan Rodgers, I think in charge of Liverpool it's a key weekend this if a bad defeat here really crank up the pressure on him because despite that Aston Villa victory as I say it wasn't the most convincing clear win against the team down there towards the bottom of the table before that they needed penalties to overcome Carlisle in the league Cup as well and before that you've got the the poor league form so mm-hmm. He does need a good win. This could this one of these matches can go either way for a manager if they are well beaten by Everton. If, you, if you're talking a 3 0 Everton win, then the pressure's really going to be on Brendan Rodgers. But if they can get a good victory, and they'll be pretty optimistic of doing that with Sturridge, he likes playing against Everton, scored a few goals against them um, over the past couple of seasons. If they can get a good win, then that would lift a lot of the pressure on, and that will give them so much confidence. And You feel they need a, a good result here going into that tough run of fixtures. As you expect if they can get one, then they'll go for, into that full of confidence, so they can start climbing the table again.
0: Yeah, he talks about Kestede, you know, he had quite a lot of joy against that Liverpool defence and another striker who might be licking his lips facing Liverpool is Romelu Lukaku who on Monday night in Everton's pretty amazing come from behind victory got two goals and an assist in that game. One of his best games of the season, you know, played really well there and Everton, you know, fell 2-0 behind at West Brom and you know, when West Brom are there at home, 2-0 up, you're thinking it's game over, but Everton hit back almost instantly. I think it was 27 sec- seconds after West Brom's second that uh, Lukaku got the goal. So they hit back, and then, you know, to come come back the way they did, uh, Delefeuille was really impressive down the right. It was his cross. Well, he set up both of Lukaku's goals, actually, with two really good crosses, and to come back like that and win 3-2 on the road, and it's just one defeat all season for Everton now, and they played pretty well in that one against City as well. So things are looking good for them. Everton fifth in the table, and the way the fixtures they've had, it's a really impressive start.
1: Yeah, and they won that West Brom game with a pretty makeshift defence. Obviously, they conceded two goals, so it wasn't the perfect defensive performance. But once they get Coleman back, Stones back, should both be back for this weekend because they were close to playing on Monday by all accounts. Stones in particular, has he's had such a good start to the season. We will get a good test against Stowage, but he's overcome every test so far um, this season. Stones, even when there's that whole transfer saga going on with Chelsea. though, so they'll be glad to have him back and they need them back, and need a good defence because they've got a tough run of fixtures coming up with Liverpool, Manchester United after. This at home, and then Arsenal away after that one as well. So, three games against some big teams coming up, but they've performed quite well against the big teams so far. You mentioned the Man City one 2 0, they lost 2 0 in that one, but they played fairly well. It's, City probably deserved the win, but Everton they certainly didn't disgrace themselves in that match. And then, of course, they beat Chelsea 3-1 in a really good performance. Naismith coming off the bench to get that perfect hat-trick. So they'll be pretty confident coming up against the big boys because they've made a confident start to the season.
0: Yeah, and they'll be desperate for a win you know, against Liverpool. They've not won in nine games against their rivals, although five of the last six have been draws. They've been pretty tight in recent times. What's your score prediction?
1: Yeah, I don't think I can back against Liverpool. Um, I'd love to predict a win, but I think it's going to be a tight... It really could go either way. I think it depends which Liverpool turns up. If if Sturridge is fit and firing fully, then he could fire them to victory. But I think I'm going to go for a two-all draw.
0: Two-all draw. I actually, I'm going to pick Everton. I think, like you said, Liverpool, it was a win against Aston Villa last time, but not all that convincing. And they've, they've, they would have had Europa League in midweek as well. So Everton will be a bit fresher than them. So I think I'm going to pick Everton to win 3-1. So I've got one draw and an Everton win.
1: Right, not sure about that prediction from Pascal there, but moving on, we've got Arsenal versus Manchester United in Sunday's second huge game, probably the biggest rivalry in the Premier League era go. we'll start with the home side. Such a disappointing defeat in midweek to Olympiakos.
0: Well yeah, the Champions League hopes they're hanging by a thread now, aren't they? I think in the last 15 years they've always got through the group stage, but now realistically they've probably got to beat Bayern in one of the next two group games because you know it probably couldn't have been any easier. Zagreb away, the weakest side in the group, and then Olympiacos at home in their first two games. And to lose both the way they have, you know, conceding six goals in both games, so disappointing. Uh, last night against Olympiacos, yeah, it's just a game that usually it's just it should just be a banker home win, really, but it wasn't. And... The way the game went, they fell behind, and then you know Walcott hits back with a good finish, and then you know another goal conceded, two-one. Then Sanchez gets back, and you think once the Sanchez goal went in for two-two in the second half, you really thought game on, here we go. You know they're going to push forward and maybe probably win this four-two. But then Olympiacos go almost straight down the other end for three-two, and then after that Arsenal didn't really do much to be honest. And I have to say one player that really sort of stood out as a really poor performer was Meza Urzu. I was so disappointed with him. I was sort of looking back at the stats, and he's actually created more chances than anyone else in the league this season. So. He is doing stuff in the league, but last night, for someone who's supposed to be such an intelligent player, he was, you know, when people were making a pass out to the wings, so they were hitting it, you know, clearly hard, you know, so hard that it was supposed to go past us. It was the player out on the wing, but he kept intercepting passes and, you know, breaking up the play. And it's almost as if he was trying to do it all himself. But he was really, really disappointing, and just one of a number of players, you know, to let the side down. You know, defensively conceding three goals at home to a side like Olympiakos, you know. Yeah, her own goal, didn't even touch on that. He should have, you know, how he, why didn't he just punch it? You know, trying to catch it and then it goes over the line. And yeah, I just so many things went wrong in that game for Arsenal. And for them to now pretty much need, you know, a win against Bayern Munich, who are just, you know, playing so well at the moment. You know, 5-0 last night, Lewandowski scoring 10 goals in a week or something like that. There's no chance at the moment they're going to beat get anything from those two games against Bayern. So they're going to go out of the Champions League. And yeah, that's shocking for a team like Arsenal. It's a pretty easy group Bayern there, but the other two, they should be beating them.
1: And it'd be extra disappointing considering what happened at the weekend as well. Becoming the first team this season to beat Leicester, and it was a it was a decent performance. They felt they fell behind obviously to Jamie Vardy's really good finish, but then they came storming back in that game against a, a Leicester side who were so good when they got their tails up. Obviously, Walcott quickly got a reply, and then Sanchez to get him off the mark in the Premier League would have been a, a big plus for Arsenal because he hasn't he hasn't been at his best so far this season. But his Hatchet was fantastic. You mentioned Urzo in the Champions League, but his his cross to Sanchez for that header was a really good piece of play from Ozil. You have to say that Champions League he he wasn't he wasn't very good, but he has been good in the league so far this season. And yeah, scoring five goals against the Leicester side, obviously Leicester, they've been leaking quite a few goals, their defensive record isn't great, but scoring five goals in any Premier League game it is a good result for them and they would be they've so happy going into that midweek game at the way they've s- turned the season around almost after the West Ham defeat. Obviously they had that anomaly of result against Chelsea when they went down to nine men as well, so they could they could point to the sendings off in that one. but. To fall into that defeat and the Dynamo Zagreb defeat, just it does, it's not happening for them in Europe at the moment. They need a response here. They need to bounce back. It's not the easiest game to do it, of course, but it could at the same time be the perfect game to do it because such a big rivalry between these two teams. It might be what they need to spark a fire underneath them.
0: Yeah, maybe. And I think it's going to be really interesting to see who Wenger picks up front because Giroud he was suspended for that game against Olympiacos midweek after the red card against Zagreb. So. He hasn't played in midweek. He's much fresher than Walcott, but Walcott's in you know pretty decent form. Scored against Leicester, scored against Olympiakos. I think it's twelve goals in thirteen league starts he's got in the Premier League, so he's really impressing at the moment. But you just think maybe against a United defence that isn't conceding many goals, whether you know sort of Giroud more of a sort of you know battering ram can hold the ball up a bit better. Whether he'll play, I think it could be a really interesting call because Walcott's you know in decent form, but Giroud didn't play in midweek and he's obviously a lot fresher. So it's going to be a really big call for Wenger to make and. Personally, I'd probably go Walcott just because he seems in good scoring form at the moment, and I think maybe his pace against you know potentially some of the United defenders could be the biggest threat they could maybe have, but it's going to be a really big call, and I've got a feeling that Wenger might go Isiru just because he's fresher, but I'd probably go Walcott.
1: It's probably not a good time for them to play Manchester United. Over is it? They've moved top of the table with win over Sunderland. First time they've been top since Ferguson left the club. So it's a long time for them to be where they they would feel they belong. They've been the dominant force, obviously, in the Premier League over the years. But finally getting back to sort of the way they sort of should be playing under Van Heuven. It's been a work in progress for a long time. I'd still say they're a bit short of being a genuine title challengers. I don't think they're a million miles away, but I'd be surprised if they're still pretty close by the end of the season. Certainly, be very surprised if they go on to win win it. But th- they're showing good signs. They're scoring goals at one end now. They're still they're staying tight at the back. The three goals against Sunderland again. You'd have to say in the first half it was a lacklustre performance. Think back to the recent game against Liverpool where they're pretty poor as well. But then turned it on in the second half. I think the Memphis debacle just just before half time against Sunderland really changed the course of the game. It just it got. United tails up and from there it never really looked like they were going to lose it especially as Rooney scored straight after the um, the restart as well so a 3-0 win comfortable in the end you'd always expect them to beat Sunderland pretty comfortably Sunderland in terrible form themselves so all good signs for Manchester United at the moment and they'll certainly be starting to build a lot of confidence and victory over a team like Arsenal who themselves might be shot of it after that uh, midweek performance should give them a, a lot of momentum going forward.
0: Yeah, and it was another clean sheet, wasn't it? They've got the joint best defence in the league now with five goals conceded in seven games. Spurs there as well. And I think you mentioned there the goals being scored as well. That's now three Premier League wins in a row and they've scored nine goals in those games as well because they only managed three in their first four league games. So they're just starting to click going forward. And I think for players like you know Memphis, he'd, he'd had a couple of really good goals in Europe. That was his first league goal. And then Rooney, getting, I think it was a 1,000 minutes, maybe exactly, that he'd gone in the league without scoring. And very fortunate the way when he was sort of lying on the ground hit his head and then you know cannon into the net so it might just be what you need to maybe set those players alight because You know, Memphis was a tap in, Rooney's just hit him. So it's the sort of goals that maybe just might spark something. And the fact that it took them top of the table as well, you know, things are looking really good. And you have to say it's a big, big run of fixtures coming up if they're really going to, you know, signal their intentions to go for the league. Arsenal away here is difficult. And then there's the international break. And then after that, it's Everton, Man City, and Crystal Palace in the next three league games. So, you know, a tough run of fixtures here. But if they really are title contenders, they'll probably want to say maybe get two wins, a draw, and maybe one defeat in those games because that's what they need.
1: What's your score prediction for this one? Yeah,
0: it really could go either way. It's such a tough game to call. Arsenal will be desperate to get back to winning ways after that performance in midweek, but United on form at the moment, so I'm going to have to go with a draw,
1: 2-2. I think I agree with the draw there. I don't see that many goals personally, but I can't really pick a winner because, as you mentioned, Arsenal, they, they're going to be desperate to bounce back from that. I think Walcott might be able to give them a few problems if he starts. Javu perhaps, if he starts as well, because that. I don't think they'll get too many chances in the United box, and Giroud's one of the best one-touch finishers in the box Mm. around, so if they go with him, I think that might be a good tactic to get goals, but I can't see too many, to be honest, in this match. I think I'm going to go for one or draw, so both going for draws in that match. Right, on to the final game of the weekend then, which sees Swansea take on Tottenham in another
0: 4pm kickoff on Sunday. Barnes-Spurs are up to 6th now after that really impressive win over Man City.
1: Fantastic result, wasn't it? 4-1 against Manchester City. Were league leaders going into that match? I don't think anyone really saw it coming. Tottenham really struggled against the big teams in recent seasons. Even at White Hart Lane, they've been on the end of 4-5-0 scoreline. So, to put Man City on the end of that scoreline, fantastic result for the team. Probably the best of Pochettino's reign there so far just so many positives to take out from it as well. It was pretty much all positive after falling behind, the way they responded to that. He scored four unanswered goals, kept Aguero, Aguero, who's been so good against Tottenham in recent seasons, limited his chances really well. And then obviously Kane getting his first goal was probably the biggest positive to take aside from the three because he's, he's there's been so much made of the drought he's been on to finally get that first goal. Really good for him, big weight off his shoulders. Hopefully he'll be able to kick on now for club and country. Um, Lamella had a really good game for Tottenham, probably his best game in a white shirt so far. So just all all good signs for Tottenham. Three wins in a row now. Things are starting to look good. It was a bit of a slow start to the season for them, but they've got the wheels in motion now and they're moving in the right direction.
0: Yeah, they are. They started the season with that 1-0 defeat at Manchester United, but since then they are unbeaten in six and, like you say, three wins in a row. And they're looking really good and probably... The biggest reason behind that, obviously, last time out against City, they scored four goals. That was the best thing about that game. And, you know, Kane getting his goal. Lamella, like you said as well. But it's been the defence, which has been the main reason, you know, behind their recent form. The two wins before that City game were two 1-0 wins. And then, obviously, only conceding that De Bruyne goal, which was offside. I know probably two of Spurs' goals were offside as well. But, you know, the one they conceded was offside. So, really positive signs. They've got the joint best defence in the league with United. Only conceded five goals in seven games. So, you know, that's you have to say that's been the biggest positive for them probably so far this season has been, you know the defence and how well they've been doing at the back and obviously the goals then coming against City is the biggest positive there so yeah like you say things looking up and up to sixth in the table
1: yeah, defensively, Vertonghen and Alderao they seem like a very solid partnership, don't they? Obviously, play together at international level, used to play together at club level before they came to Tottenham as well. So, that's impressive. I've been impressed, really, with the spine of the team. Dele Alli, the last few games, he's been asked to play in a deeper role in midfield, and he's taken to that really well after impressing further forward as well. He's he's adapted to the Premier League really quickly, and it's very good to see from him. Dyer this season, has been playing in a defensive midfield role when last season he was playing in defence. He looks like a natural. He looks like the first choice there when Benteleb and Mason are both back fully fit. I'd be surprised if Dyer loses his place because obviously he scored against Man City as well but he does such a good job in the middle of the park there he's a physical presence, he can win aerial battles there, a very good uh, start to the season he's had and I mentioned earlier Kane getting that first goal, who likes to kickstart is probably going through the best run of form in his Tottenham career so far and if he can start firing they'll have a good game on his hands because it's easy to forget that he's still pretty young obviously he's had a, a terrible time of things at Tottenham so far but if they can get him going then obviously now they've got Eriksen back from injury as well and he's already made a difference, the, the the few games he's played so things are certainly looking positive for Tottenham at the moment
0: Yeah and they come up against the Swansea side here who are really out of form they've impressed everyone that first month of the season in August but you know September's been a really bad month for them it's three defeats in four in all competitions the only point they have got was the 0-0 draw against Everton and last time out go to Southampton you know who'd who'd lost the previous week against Manchester United and going down 3-1 there disappointing result for them and they're now into the bottom half after what had been a really impressive start in August but you know the only goal they scored in that game against Southampton was the Sigurdsson penalty I think it was the 83rd minute when they were already 3-0 down the game was already up then so really didn't offer much in that game and yeah it's just been it's weird how much it's changed since how strong they looked in August you know winning player uh IU winning player of the month in August and since then it's
1: just gone really cold so really surprising yeah we were singing their praises in August as well and deservedly so because they did start the season so well you mentioned AU there he's gone off the boil a little but he's still making a few chances he, he seems to be really good in the air he seems to mm. get a good headed chance pretty much every game and that's, that should be a good route of goals but the goals are dried up for him the goals have dried up for Baffertimby Gomez a bit Jefferson Montero started the season really well but then obviously got that injury hasn't really hit, that, hit the same height since so The key players who were doing so well in August and guiding them to such a good run of form haven't really done it recently in in recent games, and Gary Monk said after the last game that they do need to improve, particularly away from home, and he's right because they set the standards with the August performances, I think, and those are the standards they're going to need to meet if they're going to push for a top eight finish, maybe even European football, which the way they start the season, you'd say they're capable of, but they certainly need to improve their recent performances.
0: Yes, yeah, so Swansea you have got players going out of form, Spurs have got players coming into form, and if you look in the recent meetings between these two, Spurs have won the last seven Premier League matches between the two, Gary Monk has never won as a player or a manager against Spurs. Everything points to a
1: Spurs win. Do you agree with that? I think I do, yeah. As you say, Tottenham, they've got a really good record against Swansea, and that win over Man City should give them so much confidence. And Swansea, if this game was played in August, I'd be back in a home win all day, every single day of the week. But I think the way things are going at the moment, I'm going to back a Tottenham 2 1 victory.
0: Yeah, I just think p- perhaps maybe Spurs playing, in, they've got the Europa League game in midweek, so I think maybe that might just have a little bit of effect. And I think Swansea might get a point here. I'm going to go for one or draw. So, got one Spurs win and a draw. Okie doke, that's all 10 games covered. Make sure you head to sportsmole.co.uk throughout the weekend for live commentaries of every game, match reports, analysis, player ratings and more. We'll be back in two weeks after the international break. We'll see you then. Thanks for listening.